Free Trail fam, bonjour from Chamonix, France. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It is officially UTMB week, and we are here to enjoy the spectacle and share our love for this amazing sport and this amazing event with you, the global trail running community, trail fans worldwide. This is a special time of year, and we are so happy to be here to enjoy it in person. We're going to be doing a daily show each morning recording in the heart of Chamonix covering all the major stories of this year's race. It is a special week-long series we're calling Good Morning Mont Blanc, which you're listening to now. Each day we'll have a star-studded group of rotating co-hosts to share their expert perspectives about the fields, the conditions, the races, and the results as they happen throughout the week. We're also going to be doing a ton of pre- and post-race interviews with some of the main contenders and the top performers. So make sure you're subscribed here or to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single second of our coverage. We are grateful for your support. We really hope you'll follow along and share it with your friends. Finally, thank you to Hoka and Camelback for making the shows possible this week. Make sure you play fantasy, fantasy fantasy.freetrail.com for a chance to win prize packages from these awesome brands. Thank you all so much for listening. Have an amazing UTMB week. Good morning, Mont Blanc. It is now finally Sunday, September 3rd. Our final episode here after seven straight days. I'm losing my voice, but we are filled with joy and enthusiasm and a little bit of exhaustion after what has been a spectacular 2023 UTMB. This being the final day, I do want to remind our viewing and listening audience to please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Ryan Thrower is behind the camera here, and he has instructed me to make sure that that was clear. We have appreciated everybody for following along all week. We appreciate all the fun comments and feedback, and it would mean a lot to us if you also smash that subscribe button, keep track of everything else that we do. Joining me this morning, the great Corinne Malcolm. Corinne, how's your voice doing? I'm doing okay. I'm I'm hanging on by a thread, I think, but this is my last obligation. And it's not really an obligation, but this is the last thing I have to do before I can just like become horizontal for an extended period of time. Yeah, I think both of us will likely not speak for the next couple of days to recover our... Silent retreat. Yes, recover both the vocal cords and the charisma battery, you know. So anyway, Corinne, let's do a quick recap of... All the amazing stories that happened at this year's UTMB. We started the week doing exactly that, sort of previewing some of the storylines. So I figured it would be fun to just sort of do a debrief on how some of those storylines played out. Uh, Before we get to it, of course, big thank you to our sponsors who made this week possible, Hoka and Camelback. Make sure you go check out that HokaAthleteTrainingCamp.com where you can see more from UTMB champion, Mr. Jim Walmsley. And a big thanks to Camelback for also supporting our show. You see my sweet Camelback water bottle sitting next to me with the Free Trail brand on it. Really appreciated working with them all week. And we did absolutely rage last night at the... Hoka after party. So for all those who've been asking, uh, that was a, a pretty sweet. They uh, didn't have to grease the lamp posts <laughs> out in front of the quartz last night. Yeah, luckily, there's no there's no <laughs> video coverage of my behavior last night. So anyway, there were some strong meme suggestions online yeah. that that you were going streaking. Yeah, it was uh, like I said at the beginning of the week, if an American male wins here at UTMB, <laughs> I will riot in the streets. And I did my best to adhere to that promise last night but getting back to our top 10 storylines that we talked about earlier again we started with the Courtney slam and she did it Corinne it's almost like not surprising at this point but just always astounding unbelievable and unprecedented and likely will never ever happen again what were your uh, your takeaways from Courtney's performance I mean I think the big thing that I that stood out to me anyway, I mean, it's it's hard to like really wrap your mind around it, hard to comprehend what she pulled off. Also that we just hold her to a different standard. We're like, well, she's not going to beat her, her old time here. And it's like, and yeah. like, how, can we reflect on the rest of her season? It's been absolutely insane. And she's run two additional phenomenal 100 mile performances this year. But also like watching her come into Champaign Lock 
and have that moment where she like sits down and we all like in the, in the media studio, we're like, Oh no, like Courtney, Courtney hurts right now. Like Courtney's not just like redecorating the pain cave, but she's like expanding it, adding a new addition. It's got a sunroof. It's got a new hot tub. It's got an extra (laughs) storage shed. Like it wasn't a redecoration yesterday to get that thing done. It was a full remodel, I think of the pain cave. (laughs) So I just like looking back through historical times too. I mean, she definitely did suffer, but I'm pretty sure the only people who have run faster here at UTMB are herself, Katie Scheid and Rory Bozio. Yeah. That kind of getting under a 23 hour mark, it doesn't happen very often at all. And so I think that it was, while it was slow for her, she was, she was actually under course record pace through Cormier, it was that back half of the course where things kind of came apart. But the women overall, too, like, were still 30 minutes faster between first and 10th than they were just last year at this race. And we keep saying every year, this is the deepest ever, this is the best field ever. And it was just cool to, like, watch the entire field be elevated and and the entire field step up, even if Courtney was off her 2021 time. Yeah. So maybe... We'll get, we should get to the top 10 women now because yesterday in our show, we were recording after the top 10, after the top 20 men had really come in. We saw Courtney finish live while we were recording the show yesterday. And so we didn't have a good opportunity to really debrief the whole women's top 10. So maybe I'll pull it up. I'll read off the, the top 10 names. And then I'd love to have you just sort of add any color that you have from, um, you know, the commentary, because you guys were in the studio until late last night, making sure to give the shine to all the top 10 women as they made their way around the mountain and back into Chamonix. So obviously, Courtney DeWalter, the champion of the 2023 UTMB, 23 hours, three time, three time champion, 23 hours, 29 minutes behind her, Katarina Harmuth from Germany, only 40 minutes back, 24 hours, 10 minutes, also a fantastic performance, a great time. Blandine LaHirondel, a world champion trail runner from 2022, finished in 24-22, then Fu Zhao Zhang, 24-50, Maite Moura, 25.02, 25.02, Katarzyna Salinska, 25.20, Elsa McDonald, 25.48, Leah Yingling, 26.21, Sabrina Stanley, 26.58, and Lucy Bartholomew rounding out the top 10 in 27.39. And let's, just, let's just also like note real quickly, Lucy's doing Kona in two weeks. <laughs> Incredible. Just just a casual, a different double. Two weeks. Slam. That's like six or eight weeks from now. It's usually like mid October. Oh, you're October. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's in October. In my head, it's two weeks, but it is. It's like time it's is a flat quick. circle. It's, yeah, time means nothing now. I don't know what day it is anymore. But yeah, she's got uh, the Kona, the Kona, UTMB to Kona double coming up around the corner. But yeah, it was while Courtney was out front all day long. Um, really, I think she might have not led for a, a tiny second basically uh, until about through St. Gervais. But by, by Lake Contamines was firmly in the lead. Emma, Emma Pooley um, was up there early on. She's a British-Swiss athlete and actually is a world champion on the bike. Um, she ended up, I think, oh. having to drop out of the race, um, took a bad fall, I think, at some point, and also notably absent, too, that was up early in the race was the Frenchwoman Manon Bohard, yep. who took a bad fall between Cormier and Arnova. Yep. So she also ended up ultimately withdrawing after like real, I mean, she came in covered from like in mud from head to toe. So mm-hmm. those were kind of notable. I think she made it all the way to like lawfully before. Yeah. Before ultimately, ultimately pulling the out. plug. But yeah. So, um, actually the women's race between two, three and four was super interesting all the way to the finish line. Basically Blondine didn't move back into third until, um, on her way up to La Flagere where she overtook Fujiao on, on that ascent. But Katarina Hartmut also had been running much of the day in the back of the top 10 and then continued to climb her way up into the top five. So let's talk about her. Top three. Okay, can we buy stock in this woman? Yes. She was second at Worlds yeah. in June. She was fourth at Trans Grand Canaria in February. She was third at TDS last year, and she won Iger 101K back in July. Yeah. She She's did, only 28. She just wanted to, all she wanted out of this was to run sub 25. Yeah. 
And she did. And she did in a big way. What was it? 2410, I think it was. 2410, finishing second to Courtney DeWalter. Fantastic 100-mile day. Or actually, no, she has done the Swiss Alps 100, a race that Ryan had just uh, just clipped off here a few weeks ago. She did it in 2021. So not her first 100-mile race, but only 28 years old, man. Yeah, Put together second place here at UTMB on the world's biggest stage. I mean, her she's, whole season has been like slowly ascendant. Like yeah. She's a name that is going to be part of this favorites group moving forward for a very long time. Yeah. A hundred percent. Any, uh, I, I'd love to hear you talk about, I mean, like obviously like Blandine is more of a, a household name here, but her first hundred mile race, she's the CCC course record holder. She had like such a, an emotional, beautiful finish as well. It was really cool it. to see. Yeah. So Blondine, you know her as the 2021 OCC champion, the 2022 CCC champion, the, world champion she kind of had a little bit of a a bobble earlier this summer where she had to withdraw from worlds in austria due to a foot injury and i think there were many of us that were questioning kind of how her training had gone since then what was that injury actually like you know what was the setting up to be it's your debut hundred that's a huge stage to debut on and she ran a really really smart race she was running as high as second position Mm -hmm. um throughout the course of the day bobbled kind of fell back a bit we actually found out that she left her gloves at an aid station and had to go back to get them at one point in time so she ran like an extra one to one and a half kilometers at some point in the race (laughs) um but she was like oh the energy at the aid station was so good i didn't mind she like, seems what? to always have like an effervescent happiness to her also, yeah. you know, like Courtney comes into the aid stations with a big smile. Never frazzled. Yeah. Never frazzled. Right. Katarina, uh, uh, Hartmut on her way into in and out of Valarcine looked really frazzled. And it turned out she was really nervous about the, cl- like the, the kind of gradual climb out of Valarcine, mm-hmm. but Blondine never looked frazzled and just put together a really phenomenal debut. I think she was someone that we were watching um, with bated breath. And she actually, interestingly, she surged really aggressively out of Valarcine to take down the time between her and Fujiao, the athlete that ultimately finished fourth, yep. brought it back down to 90 seconds, and then basically like sat for a second and then surged past her and ended up solidly moving herself into third position. Yeah, that was a, a great competition between really the, the top four women. Um, anyway, um, it brings up something else that I've mentioned throughout the week that I think we should emphasize here is Blandine now podium finisher at OCC, CCC and UTMB. Yeah. And I am scared to think about the knowledge the course knowledge that she brings into UTMB next year. If she decides to get on the start line again, right. because it doesn't, people generally don't get this race right on the first go. Right. You see people come back again and again and again in all three distances. And I think that Blondine coming back to this race next year is a scary, a scary proposition. Yeah, absolutely. Along with potentially Katarina, Courtney DeWalter, Fujiao. Fujiao. Yeah. Great. Super interesting athlete, super strong athlete. This is her, I think, third appearance here. She was 11th in 2019. She was um, seventh here last year. She actually has the fastest descent from La Flagere to the finish line from last year. Really? She ran 41 minutes through that, through that section. Um, but yeah, she uh, she ran a really strong, aggressive race. She, she also was as high as second place. There were a number of women who ran in second place throughout the course of the day, which I think is pretty cool. She was one of those women, ran in second place for much of it, her and Blondine, and then her and um, uh, Katerina ultimately we're kind of in that jockeying position, but yeah, she, I mean, seeing her steady ascent of the women's top 10 here, 11th, 7th, 4th, she's a person who can hundred percent win this race. She doesn't get a race outside of China all that often. I um, saw her at UTMF earlier this year. When we do get to see her, she can be, she can be absolutely dominant. Yep. We've seen her completely annihilate 100 K and 100 mile fields, seemingly always very solid. And then, uh, I was talking with the Chinese commentator afterwards and I said, you know what? I normally don't remember who's fourth at these races, but I will forever remember that she was fourth here because her uh, partner, her boyfriend proposed um, after she did all of her finish line celebrations and high-fived everyone. Mm-hmm. He uh, talked about how they met on the start line in 2019 and they've been through so much since then and that like being here in Chamonix means a lot to them and kind of took it full circle and proposed to the finish line, which I know is not everyone's cup of tea, um, but it was really cute. And, you know, she said yes. And I'm hopeful (laughs) that that means that UTMB and this race and Chamonix will hold like a very special 
place in their heart for a very long time. Yeah, it'll be a, a long, happy marriage after enduring 107 miles around the Ultra Trail <laughs> de Mont Blanc course. And congratulations to Fujiao, not only on a fantastic performance, but also on the engagement. Yeah, and all, your, special, all your future yeah. happiness. I saw we had this great shot kind of through the finishing line, finish line arch of this happening. And Megan Hicks, I could see her face like in the photography stand yeah. behind them, just like jaw dropped, just yeah. like, like, cause no one knew. I knew because Martin was talking to uh, Fujiwara's boyfriend mm-hmm. and texted to like, let us know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a special moment. I thought they got to share a special moment. And I said, yeah, I will forever remember that she was fourth here. Yeah. So cool. So maybe quickly, let's just touch on the Chinese storyline before we go back through the rest Super of the women. solid UTMB week. So for we had Fuzhou, we had Shen, we had Mao Yao. We had three Chinese men in the top 10 at OCC. Yeah, including Lu Tao, who's yeah. been on the podium here once before. Mm-hmm. Like just really phenomenal runs. Outside the American dominance of the race, which we can talk about, <laughs> the Chinese athletes really showed not, up this year. We're not American centric. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what you're no, talking no, about. No. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, really great performances from the Chinese athletes coming here to UTMB and performing well in all three of the majors. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it just goes to show too the like growth and the learning to race in the Western race circuit and, um, coming on, I, I know a number of them have, you know, gotten coaches recently or they're working on different tactics, et cetera. And just, it seems to be really working yep. and they're getting the support of the brands to race outside of the U S or outside of China in the U S and in Western Europe. And that's a big deal. Yep. So may Tim Miora, a really solid European athlete. She's been Spaniard. on the podium here twice before yep. once in CCC and once right. in UTMB. And she was well outside the top 10 at Cormier. No surprise that she finished in fifth position. Yeah, she was so solid. We saw her at Le Contamine and Notre Dame de la Gorge, and she was well back of yeah. the top 10 there. And I ran with her in 2019. Up. I started my race with her in 2019, and I thought, this is exactly where I'm supposed yeah. to be. In fact, she was pretty close, I think, from memory to Leah Yingling and Sabrina Stanley when we saw them. And I recall thinking, I think all of them are in a great position to have a nice mellow evening out there in the Alps and then put the hurt on the back half of the course. And they all three did. So do you know much about Katarzyna Solinska? I don't, I don't know a lot about her, but she, she was one, her seeing her at the finish line was just pure joy. She came through with so much energy, threw herself on the ground and then got back up and just, you could tell how much it meant to her. I don't know a whole lot about her, um, but she ran within that kind of fourth to seventh group for basically the entire race, like not a whole lot of faltering. Um, Maita moved up, Elsa moved down. That kind of ended up putting the Polish athlete solidly in sixth position. Mm -hmm. But we've, I mean, we've had some Polish athletes crack the code kind of in these bigger stage races before. And it just goes to show that we've got to watch out. I know she runs for on, they were there at the finish line to support her finish. Um, But yeah, once again, just, and we haven't, really like dive if we dive into just the women's top six it's usa germany france china spain poland and then canada so it's like we got we've got a very international as opposed to the men's race where it was six frenchmen three americans and a german athlete we have eight nations represented in the women's top 10 and i'm all about that yeah absolutely Elsa McDonald turned down her return to Western States just to focus on UTMB this season. She put together a really proud seventh place here, but I know she suffered throughout the day. And she was surging at one point. We thought she was moving her way up towards that podium position. She was up as high as fourth, I believe, before ultimately falling back a little bit. And I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, you know, that was a really good, solid UTMB, but I've got to imagine that she's hungry and wants more. And is another person that I anticipate will come back to this race next year. Uh, uh, Katie Asmith helped to crew for Leah Yingling, and she was in here yesterday sort of telling us about it. But Leah, man, she's sort of like, the analogy I use is sort of like similar to Tyler Green, right? Just so steady, so dependable, so never solid. screws it up. Never so screws solid. it up. Yeah, and I'd be curious to hear from Leah too if, I know that historically, you know, she likes to race from the back. She, I think, tried to be a little bit more aggressive at Western States this year, just ever so slightly. And I'd be really curious to see Leah put herself out there just a little bit more, mm-hmm. like in an early move. Um, 
just because I do Same. think that that, that yeah. racing tactic, and I talked to a number of athletes this week who are racing in UTMB and CCC, and I said, look, like, if you're racing for the win, you're going to have to make some bad decisions yeah. early. And if you're racing for the top 10, you need to be smart. Yep. And I think that Leah historically races for the top 10, but she is more than capable of racing for the win. And I really hope that in whatever she decides to do next year, be it UTMB, be it Western States, be it anything else, that we see her kind of stick her neck out yeah. there because she's more than capable of making it stick. Yeah, that would be really fun to see. But congratulations to Leah. Incredible top 10s, Western States and UTMB. What a successful summer for her. And yeah, just so steady and dependable. So that's always something that I admire in athletes. So Sabrina Stanley, I bumped into Avery Collins and Sabrina's folks walking through town and they said that she was really suffering. She brought home a ninth place yesterday, 26 hours, 58 minutes. Have you spoken to Sabrina? I haven't teammate? gotten to see her yet. Yeah. I didn't get to see her at the finish line because I was, I was refusing to leave the media studio, which we can talk more about in a little bit. Um, I said, you have to pry me from this table. Yeah. But um, Sabrina came into this race in a evolved state, I feel like. We, we know and respect Sabrina for being a incredible competitor, but that competitive vibe that we can sense from the outside you know that she turns that on herself in a massive way, mm -hmm. right? You know that if if we can sense her competitiveness to the race, to her competitors, to herself, outside of her, you know like how critical she can be of herself. We're yeah. our own worst critics. We're very like very tough on ourselves for the most part. And Sabrina's definitely has been in that boat historically, which has made her we all have which has made her incredibly successful, right? Like I have seen her push herself and push her teammates and push the athletes that she's pacing to their absolute limit. I saw her push Avery's ass out of a cot at Hard Rock. The two of us yeah. <laughs> just completely exploded. Avery wanted to drop. Sabrina said no way, Jose, yeah. we are getting to the finish line. Yeah. You can sleep here all day. And then when you get up, we're walking to the finish. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you have no option. And yeah. Avery's like, shit. Yeah, if, 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 you, yeah. if you sign Sabrina to be up to be part of your crew, you better expect you're not getting, you're not getting nice cop yeah. at all. You are 100% getting bad cop. And I watched her do the same thing to Taylor, maybe a little bit more supportively mm -hmm. at Western States where she didn't play mind games with Taylor, but she was like, okay, we're going to make it the next two miles without putting our headlamps on. Let, like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to push hard for the next four miles. Like she just kept giving Taylor these next things to claw to this, these next things to push for. And Taylor ran out of her mind at Western States. Like that yeah. was such a beautiful performance. And Sabrina got that out of her. So I know, I know how she talks to herself. I know how she pushes herself. And I think she came into this race maybe for the first time ever, with the expectation that she didn't have to win, mm -hmm. that that not winning wasn't going to be failure on, on race day. And I think that is so important for her as an athlete, as an evolved athlete, as an athlete who wants to have a long career in the sport. Mm -hmm. Because if anything less than winning is utter failure and makes you feel worthless, it's going to be a long, long road. And yep. so for her to come in and be like, I'm here to learn. I am here to figure this course out. I am here to go have a day and make my way around the mountain. That's a Sabrina Stanley that when she puts that like talent, mental fortitude and grit that we know that she has and the end a good day together that's a scary combination. She's got, she's got the ability to go to the well, like Zach Miller, like Drew Holman. That's a fighter that like yep. you don't want anywhere near you in the back half of a race like this when she's on. Yep. So I would And this say, type of a course yeah. is really in her wheelhouse. Like Ooh, Sabrina Stanley has all the tools to win here someday. 2024 is going to be a big year. I hope, I hope this entire top 10 comes back. Finishing up with Lucy Bartholomew, we just mentioned she's going to be doing the UTMB Kona, Ironman Kona, double the world championship. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm not stud. sure anybody's ever done that before, but Lucy coming back and finishing up in the top 10 here. Yeah. The, the Aussies in the chat were absolutely losing their minds. It was like 4am, 5am local time for them when she was finishing here last night in Chamonix. And, you know, like while she was a little bit, you know, kind of off in no man's land, she did have the fight off um, a, a hard charging 11th 
on the La Flagere climb. And she did. She went from having like a two minute gap to having like a 10 minute gap and brought 10th home safely and securely um, ahead of a, a Canadian athlete named Claire uh, Helsup, I believe. But yeah, it was really cool to see Lucy here. You know, we know Lucy as this young, bubbly, Aussie darling. Um, and uh, I mean, we've watched her grow up in the sport in a big way, right? Like she was a, a kid when she started racing, Yep. essentially. So to see her continue to come back, to get on these start lines and to put together really solid performances, I think I think she's, you know, in a lot of ways, like our champion. Yep, the people's The people's champion, the... Uh, yeah, she's a fan favorite, you know, and she's time. she's been around the sport for a long time. She's still young. She's probably in her late 20s at this point, but... I think her first finish here at UTMB, I'm pretty sure she's DNF'd here at least once in the past. And she so, did TDS the year Mimi won, so right. probably 2017. She she's done well at Mont Blanc 90K here. She's she's solid and, yeah, definitely a community favorite, definitely a fan favorite, and it was really cool to see people stay on with us on the English channel, in the live chat, like ready to cheer on like every single finisher in that women's top 10, um, which is really important. Yeah, so, really so talk about that before we move away from the women's top 10 at UTMB yesterday. I know you made it a personal mission of yours to help expand the media coverage of the women's race. And you made a point to stay in studio after everybody had abandoned Oh my you. goodness. It felt like we were on a sinking ship in that you know, we're, uh, Keith and I were like clinging on for dear life in the best way possible. But yeah, th there came a moment where I was kind of behind the scenes being like, you know, we've, we've covered the men's top 10. Like we have seen, we have seen footage. We've gotten footage actually of every single guy finishing, um, which isn't uncommon. Um, we're, you know, cutting back and forth between the women's race and, and the men finishing, et cetera. And, and they did, they covered every, they covered every single guy in the top 10, which is great. But I said, you guys know that the minimum we we need to do, we have to do, is to make sure we cover the women's top okay. 10 and give them the exact same credit and attention and tell them that their race is just as important, just yeah. as valuable. Um, and Even so, if you need yeah. to tag in a second group of commentators like we do at Western States through the night. You yeah, it's it's you're there for it. So the live stream stays on after that. Like it's it's not there's no commentators, but there is right. a stream of the finish line all the way through until the cutoff um, in Chamonix at 4.30 p.m. on Sunday. I'm watching it so right now. <laughs> that, yeah, so that's like, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. We stay on with, and I said, we the, the least we can do is stay on with commentary for the women's top 10, just as we did with the men's top 10. And so we did. And I think most of the other teams covered the top three, the top four, maybe the top five, because it was fairly tight there. Mm -hmm. um, and the Spanish team stayed on to, to bring in Mighty because the Spanish channel would have lost their minds if, if, uh, they left before yeah. them. But really like, you know, there, it was very obvious at a certain point that like Keith and I were the only ones still behind the mics and then literally everyone left mm -hmm. and it was just Keith and I in the studio. Our tech team was gone. The other commentary teams were gone. We had a completely silent studio and we started joking that we were calling it UTMB after dark and we were having a really great time interacting with people in the chat and supporting the women that were coming in in seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Um, you know, we probably spent an extra, it was, I mean, it was maybe an extra 90 minutes, maybe an extra two hours. It's yeah. not like we had to pull an all nighter to make it happen. Right. And so, um, and it was really cool too, while I'm very passionate about this and, um, will continue to like be the, uh, the, like continue to champion, making sure that coverage is as equal as possible because you can't be what you can't see. Um, I was so proud of both Martin and Keith, um, my co-commentators for the weekend who like never for a second doubted that mission, never for a second pushed back, never for a second didn't also, you know, pick a fight with the people behind the scenes. And that is to me, really important because when I, it means that I can hand over the mic and know that I've got people there fighting for the women and it doesn't have to all be on my shoulders. Yeah. And, uh, I think we did a really good job. You did. Yeah. Fantastic job to you and the whole team. Obviously I didn't tune into any of the other language broadcasts, but I thought you, Martin, Keith did a fantastic job. Yeah, if you job. watched every second, you definitely heard Martin and I swear on occasion yeah. when the camera panned the wrong direction or we cut to a commercial. I mean, and tasteful use of profanity is important, I think. so. Yeah. It, it, was, it was cool that I think people actually got to see a little bit behind the scenes of like, 
what what our personal struggle is because we have very lim- limited control besides our voices on the live stream. Like we're not pulling the images, we're not we're not uh, in charge of the sponsors, et cetera. But yeah, we're gonna we are though. I think with the PTRA, gonna run an audit on the live coverage. Cool. Um, kind of looking at minute to minute um, breakdown of the men's and women's fields, both both quantity, so minutes covered with the live commentary, and then quality, like were there key moments that were missed? Um, just to report back to UTMB, because I think it's good, and, and for our own personal growth and knowledge, you know, did we did we give them the shine they deserved and yeah. where can we improve? And I think those hard numbers are really, really important when we're working with a big organization who, you know, we def- our default setting just isn't good enough. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how that analysis turns up. So moving off the women's top 10, unless you have anything else you want to add, I feel like no, we should it was inspired. It was just inspirational yeah. and I am 100% coming back to run UTMB next year. Yeah. I was just like on the edge of my chair. Me like too. I'm ready. Come on. I'm Let's ready. Do it. Tag Training me starts coach. tomorrow. Training starts tomorrow. <laughs> so let's tap through a couple of the other storylines that we identified earlier in the week, starting with just like the international representation. I just did a quick analysis here this morning. UTMB, eight, uh, eight countries represented in the women's top 10, only three in the men's top 10, as you mentioned. CCC, seven countries represented in the women's race, six in the men's. OCC, eight countries represented in the women's race, seven in the men's. Um, so anything you want to add on that? But also I thought it was interesting. South Africa wins for the first time here in your Massive. teammate, Tony McCann. Was Great performance was- from her. And then also Vietnam in the top five in the women's CCC yeah, field. The, probably the first time for that both of those really, countries. That was really, really cool. Yeah. And then I was really curious, too, with Katarina Hartmut's performance in UTMB. Highest placing German. I, yeah. would, I would guess for sure. I, would, I think I'd be able to remember that off the top of my head if there was any other German athletes. And I think Germany is ascendant right now. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the sport develop in that country specifically. Obviously, when we think of Western Europe... France and Spain come to mind first in terms of producing great athletes, but Katarina and Hannes both finished in the top 10. If you look historically at who's won UTMB, right? It's, it's France, Spain and American women. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really, really excited to see kind of the ascendant, uh, the ascendant nature of some of these, uh, these other countries who are really, yeah, Hannes can win this race. Katarina Hartmut can win this race. Etc. I think that's uh, Martina Valamasoy can win this race when I, she has a good, like when she has her day. And so Ida, Ida Sophia, who had to drop out early on the women's side, mm-hmm. there are people that are knocking at the door and yeah, we got some interesting storylines coming down the road in the next couple of years. Yeah. Super, super interesting. I recall also the 10th place finisher in the women's OCC race is from Finland. Yep. So just, and then in the men's UTMB, I recall there was, uh, you know, Sergio, Perea from Argentina was in the mix, an, uh, an athlete from Ecuador. So we're getting some of that South American influence too. So just really interesting and fun to follow that throughout the years as UTMB continues to evolve into just this massive world championship. Yeah, our, our trail running starts to evolve, right? Like one of the coolest parts of yesterday was um, at Four Claws, the the absolutely insane Courtney DeWalter yeah toothpaste themed party yep. that was going on out there on the mountain. The men got to experience it as well, but that party was there for Courtney that was rad. and then they yeah. showed up here. It looked like a climb in a big bike race, essentially. Right. Like it was a, a, a tunnel of noise. They showed up here. They had all their cardboard signs that included like we heart long inseams and that kind of stuff. And it was just, <laughs> it's so cool. I, I saw a sign that said, make Anton great again. <laughs> Love it. Love it. But here's the thing too. It's like, I think what, what Courtney does for the women's field, and this is just like kind of a adjacent topic when it comes to media coverage is that I'll have to go back and look at the numbers but the feeling in town and the feeling on the live stream was that Courtney's finish was as important, if not more important than oh, Jim's 100%. finish from a fan perspective, both I think in like in town, the energy in town at the finish line running, running through like the chicanes as, as, as were the numbers on the live broadcast, right. as far as like how many people we had tuned in during that specific moment. Yeah, fantastic. And also just recalling back to the broadcasting, Courtney come up to the Flagere, the top of the final climb, oh the goodness, final aid like station. Oh my there were 40 people up there. Well, there was way more than that. And it was just the same with Jim. There's hundreds of people up there waiting to see. We suddenly got this camera yeah. angle where it panned behind Courtney as she was yeah. running down from La Flagere. And it was like... 
her and then a meter back, there was a, just a line, a mass, yeah. a herd of humans just like jogging down the hill behind her. Unbelievable. So moving along to another storyline we talked about that I think would be fun to revisit here is the Western States UTMB double. It was sort of a a 50-50 affair out there. There was some success. There was some failure. The successes, of course, Courtney, we've talked about that. Which we like forgot about on the live broadcast. We're like, oh yeah, that was a pretty good one. That was, and we're like, oh right, Courtney won both of them. She she only ran one of the hardest hundred milers in the world in between the two. So anyway, Courtney continues to be an anomaly in a league of her own, but Tyler Green also was able to pull off the double in spectacular Matt, fashion, Matthew. a second and a seventh. Matthew Blanchard. Um, Dan Jones was just outside the top 10. I think he was 11th or 12th. Ludo. Ludo. Yeah, Ludo. 12th at 12th Western, at Western Fourth fifth. here. Fifth. Matthew was fourth. Right, fifth. Excuse me. Um, at what, 48? 48 years old. You know, and one of the Training things... Training starts tomorrow, yeah, Dylan. One of the things I posted, too, I went back and looked... Ludo ran an hour faster yesterday than the year he won the race. Ageless wonder. And well, and he finishes fifth. You know, it's like holy smokes! In in the seven years since, the sport has just advanced he, to a different level. And he level. looked like death coming into Cormier. Yeah, he is just a remarkable athlete who gives me tons of hope and inspiration. Anyway, Western States UTMB double. Then some people who had oh uh, Leah did a did a a, a great. Double also, and then like Jeff Colt s- struggled yeah, to get his just, finish. Yeah, he just needed a hard rock qualifier. Yeah. Uh, from from the inside, I can tell you, he didn't want to leave Cormier. His fiance was like, "I didn't come all this way to watch you drop out before the sun comes up. Yeah, you better keep walking." And funny enough, I don't think he and Mayel knew that they were so close together. Yeah, if they had just linked up, I think that would have like made both their days yep. just phenomenal. But yeah, no, he just needed a hard rock qualifier. Um, I think every single downhill was just like utter pain and chaos for Jeff Colt with a little bit of a foot issue going on, but that was the hard rock qualifier that had to happen. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what he said to me at the finish line. I saw him just after he finished last night and he was like, man, hard rock qualifiers don't come easy. Annie and Corinne are mean to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, we we had no sympathy for his want to drop out, so we pushed pretty hard there. Yeah. But then we had some interesting ones, too, where um, kind of like, the, obviously, the Western States to CC double, CCC double isn't quite the same thing, but can we just give Emily Haga just like an extra glimmer of shine for a She's second? She's amazing. Yeah. Is she not just the best person in the whole world? Just so steady, so dependable, consistent. Second, second, second place. Second at yeah. CCC? Are you kidding me? And a really well executed second too. I recall her just sort of like moving up throughout the day, eventually passing um, Helena Faulkner in the back half of the course to so solid. And your teammate Ingvild too, just like a pretty dominant win there. Yeah, at and CCC. I'm I'm assuming Ingvild's taking the golden ticket. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did yesterday. Yeah, like I well, she no, we missed awards. This is drama. We didn't know the awards were yesterday for oh. CCC, so they were out crewing. Ingvild was out crewing Petter. And Emily was out crewing Taylor mm-hmm. because we were told the awards were on Sunday. Is that right? And so I've invited on, on the backside, I like reached out to every single woman in the top 10 of CCC. And I said, hey, I just had to tell Emily and Ingvild that they missed the awards. They had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like they want you to know, like I want you to know that they, it was not intentional. They were out crewing. Like we love you guys. They, they love you guys. Like if you guys are around on Sunday, like I'd love to get you all together to celebrate. Oh, so wow. every team is like holding their own brunch today. So we probably won't overlap too much, but I invited all of them out to our team barbecue. And I think people will be around near the 4 PM awards giving. And I'm going to try to get the women together who are still here for like a photo, but just because it's like, we should champion in them. Like that's so sad. Yeah. Well, anyway, it, it is a sort of a, a good transition to talking about the golden ticket part too. Cause that's something we discussed earlier in the week, but if Ingvild were to accept her golden ticket, I think she will. And of course then it would bump down to Helena Faulkner too, because of Emily. Yeah. So, so the tickets should be distributed to Ingvild and Helen. I think Ingvild is a hundred percent. Yes. I am curious about Helen I hope she takes it. I hope she takes it too. I, I think as a she's one of the athlete. stories of the season. You know, yeah. looking ahead to our annual debrief episode that we always do. You know, rookie of the year, rising star status for Helena Faulkner, winning 
at Broken Arrow, Speed Goat, and now third place at CCC. Yeah, and if and if for some reason it bumped Amazing down from season. Helen, it'd go to How Ha, which would yeah. be a really excellent storyline. Like newer to running, has a six year old daughter, just like incredibly inspirational story. Like grew up like in a rural community, like rural, very rural community in Vietnam. So there's some really cool things happening there that I'm very excited about. Yeah, and on the men's side, obviously Shen doesn't need it. And I saw Dakota yesterday for lunch, and he said, "Do I have to take it?" Yeah, and I was like. I talked to John Ray last night, who of course finished fourth in CCC. Another breakthrough performance for huge, that huge young man. For him. Amazing job from him. But he said that both John Albin and Dakota sort of accepted the golden tickets, but with a little bit of reluctance and not being a hundred percent sure if they'll eventually take the start line. So in the case that John Albin or Dakota decide to focus their energy somewhere else next year, it will bump down to John Ray, who it sounds like is eager to re-accept yeah. a golden ticket. Because he's after. gotten golden tickets the last two years in a row mm-hmm. and has just underperformed his ability at Western States. His coach texted me and was like, oh my goodness, John Ray. And I was like, yeah. I'm losing my mind over this two team. So yeah, I would love to see him have that golden ticket roll down to him. I'd love to see John Albin on the Western States start line. He doesn't love the heat, but he does love a good fast run. So I'm curious about that. And I'm curious with Dakota's experience this past year at Western States, if he's ready to be like a hundred percent, like, yes, I'm, I'm good to do Western States again. Yeah. So a couple other things that maybe would be fun to talk about, some notable drops. I wondered if you had known what happened. I talked to Petter last night. He said his knee, something happened with his knee out on the course. But Tom is still a little bit of a mystery to a lot of us. I know he dropped out in Cormier. Clearly wasn't having the, the day that he wanted out on the course. But Yeah, he- I haven't gotten to see Tom yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that I think it was really scary for him and for his crew. Mm-hmm. There was a, a while where no, none of us knew where he was. Mm-hmm. No one had seen him on the downhill into Cormier type of thing. Like men were coming in and Tom wasn't one of them. And crews were asking runners if they had seen Tom and no one had seen Tom mm. type of thing. And so it was this very scary moment in which it was like we couldn't <laughs> locate him for a little while. Um, it sounds like, you know, the body was really just completely shut down. Um Got, got into the medics at Cormier, kind of vasovagal, so probably a big blood pressure change. Mm. Um, and so the medics took care of him there, and then he had to go to the hospital in Cormier as well. He's, he's okay. Um, I don't know if he came in with a virus or something mm-hmm. just went really out of whack. But, um, yeah, he I think it was scary for everyone. Not what any one of us wanted or expected or hoped for Tom. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he is okay. But it wasn't like a, oh, my stomach feels off. I need to drop. It was like... A little bit of a medical emergency in which it was like, I'm really glad that he made it into Cormier safely. Yeah. When we did our pre-race interview with him, both Ryan and I were like, oh my God, he is going to win. Like what a champion professional and just has such a skill, a talent for just like articulating his process and the philosophy that he brings to the sport. And so, you know, seeing him only make it halfway around the mountain, there's no doubt in my mind that it was, you know, obviously the best decision for him to take on the day. And he's not the type to just quit because things are hard. And when I saw him at Le Contamine, it's difficult to judge body language at that point, but he didn't, he looked labored. He, He looked like he was like already struggling. He ran out of the aid station. He had like his headlamp battery dangling from a wire out of his mouth. I was like, it feels like you're rushing here, man. This doesn't yeah, he feel wanted like to Tom. Leave. I think he leave, yeah. wanted to leave with Jim. And I mean, Zach, Zach did the same thing, did a 70 second turnaround in Cormier to get out of there with Jim. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know what exactly I'd be like. It'll be kind of curious to rehash it on the back end, but those were definitely big yeah, moments. Yeah, what Esther Chilog dropped, Petter Engdahl we just mentioned. Sophia, Sophia, Sophia. Ida Hegman. Ida Hegman. Um, yeah, it was... But it, it was, yeah. I don't know, maybe I haven't done the analysis on it, but yeah, subjectively Ma- Ma- Martina it felt Martina like... Martina as well was Martina, another one. Subjectively to me, it felt like there was a little bit less attrition than typical, like especially in less, the men's race. Yeah, especially in the men's race. There was, I think, wildly less attrition. I think Petter Engdahl was one of those names, and Pau. Pau Capel dropped Pau, at, at, yep. at Marnova. I think he was had some GI stuff and was bonky. Yep. Um, Petter, I think, was pretty devastated with his body just not cooperating for him. He is, as, as you have probably witnessed in interviews, he's incredibly thoughtful, mm-hmm. um, but a little bit hard on himself 
Um, definitely a critical being as we all are. Um, but I think that that was really, really hard for him. I, when I saw him descend off the grand cold foray with his pole still out, I thought, shoot, like something's wrong. Like his quad is something's wrong with a quad or a knee, et cetera. And that gave me pause for a moment. And then, um, it became clear he left Sean Paylock and then called his team and was like, I, I have to drop like my, I can't walk. I can't run. I like, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So they had to go get him. So yeah, it just like, it's really crappy when you have a mechanical yep. when like you're ready, you're fit things have been good. You're not coming in with a, with, you're not aware that you're sick or you don't, you haven't been sick or you haven't like your body's been cooperating. And then to come in and have it just kind of all go to pieces because we have to perform on one single 24 hour window, which is hard to do. Yeah. There's a time and a place to, to push through and march it in for a, you know, a, a, a finish below your standards or below your expectations. There's a time and a place to, to pull out of the yeah. race. And Ta- like Taylor Nallen like pulled out a lawfully right. same sort of thing. Her coach so, was like, we don't have to do this. Yeah. Like, you, so on that subject, talk. maybe let's recognize some of the people who marched it out. We yeah, had, we totally. saw Tim Tollefson finish last night, Jeff Colt, Matt Daniels. With, with Amanda Basham. Amanda Basham. Yeah, we know that those were subpar days for them. Yeah. Ryan Sands. Ryan. Um, you know, but it's really cool to see them make the circuit happen. Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to all those who took to the start line. Who had less than ideal days and uh, made it into Chamonix late last night, maybe early this morning, because we know how hard it is to go to the well and to continue to trudge forward. We also know how hard it is to drop out of these races. I've done the UTMB 80 miler. Right. I could have walked it in. Yeah. And there have been moments where I've been like, I should have walked it in. Mm -hmm. But I've also I also I also had vomited for sixty miles at that yep. point that year. So it's like I get it. We, we it hurts no matter what you do, type of thing. And it's been super. I'm super proud of all the athletes who made made it the day that they needed, either yep. by making the circuit or by pulling the plug. Yep. Well. I don't know if there's much else to talk about that we haven't covered. Uh, one of the things I'm that, sure there is. Yeah, but. I mean, just going through some of our other storylines from the week that we talked about on Monday in the first episode of Good Morning Mont Blanc. The weather was perfect for, the, for race weekend. Uh, <laughs> I guess early in the week, the M- MCC runners and TDS runners sort of got... Not ideal. Cold, uh, cold wet, snowy uh, hours up there in the high mountains. But OCC, CCC, and UTMB almost couldn't have been better weather conditions and part of the reason probably why at least Jim ran out of his mind course record performance uh, over the weekend that was the only course record we saw OCC the course was shortened so I guess those numbers will sort of be anomalous and yeah the, the course book. is 3k shorter than normal and yeah. I will say too and I thought about this on air they tried to tell us on the media team that they that the course was running 20 minutes faster for UTMB, 20 to 30 minutes faster. And then we watched the footage of that new climb and it's there's human-sized boulders it's on it. It's so hard. It's if anything, I know I know it's 100 meters the, less. I know it's yeah. 100 meters less climbing and I know it's very slightly shorter, but it is it's a so worse technical. climb. Yeah, and it's and then on the backside of that little hump, yeah, that it's descent. horrendously technical yeah. until you make your way onto the ski slope and the final, you know, yeah. thousand feet up to the flagere. So I, I would say in my mind that they are like, I'm calling them equal, like equal courses. Equal. If not that, if not that climb was worse than yeah, the normal Actually climb. aid station fireball, our guy, Liam trying did uh, some kind of analysis. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now and I won't, don't want to screw up what he said, but you can follow him on Twitter. He did something where he looked at, you know, the, average finishing times between you know the two courses and either way doesn't really matter yeah it's utmb and you know what my hot take is please if a french guy had run that time utmb would tell us it was a course record so we're fighting for you jim i don't know camera i'm looking at this one we're like yes like i like i in my mind when i when we come back to talk about this race next year it's jim's time that we're going to be comparing it to. It's yeah. Courtney's time from 2021 that we're going to be comparing it to. And I think that, that that is only fair and that is only respectful for those times and those runners. Yeah. Speaking of Jim, he's going to be coming in here for a post-race interview. We're so grateful for that. So nice. we'll look forward to sharing that with our listeners and viewers here later this afternoon. So is Zach. So that's going to be great. I know Zach should be here shortly. So yeah. 
Um, Corinne, any sort of closing thoughts or remarks, anything from the broadcast that sticks out to you before you and I both start training for the 2024 UTMB? I was gonna say besides us deciding to sign up for UTMB right now. Um, no, I mean, I think we all had question marks coming into this year. It was a new qualification system. There will be some changes coming down the road for the qualification system that I promise only improve and help the elites, but we are fighting tooth and nail with, with the organization every day to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all had some question marks. Were these fields going to be as good? Were they going to be as deep? Was it going to be the UTMB that we know from years past? Was it going to be an asterisk year because of the new qualification system? And while I think we had doubts coming in here and there watching kind of names roll onto the start list, I am 100% satisfied with the start list that were assembled here and the fields that were assembled here. Yep. And I don't, I, there is no way in hell that it's an asterisk year in any way, shape, or form. And, and whoever that, says that is an absolute idiot. Yeah, no, and I, and I think I think that was more speculation ahead of this season and ahead of the, of the finale. But I do think that, well, the system's not perfect. We will get the start fields assembled. This will continue to be a feature event on our calendar yeah. for the foreseeable future. I already said to Ryan this morning, where are we getting our stones, bro? Where are we getting our stones? Where are we getting our stones, bro? <laughs> and I guess the, the next thing is that we need to stay tuned because we do not currently know where the America's um, major. major is going to be for 2024. It should have been canyons. It does not seem like it's going to be canyons. Maybe they're going to be making another announcement here. So I imagine another announcement will be coming in the next couple of weeks. So if you're watching from the Americas and you're looking for one of those stones or a top 10 at that style of race to make your way into UTMB for next year, keep your eyes and ears open because that announcement should be coming soon. Yeah. Well, Corinne, great job this week. We did it. You crushed it. We survived. It was so depressed at moments that I wasn't in the studio with you, but (laughs) you guys did a fantastic job. And uh, I was glued to the coverage for many hours, as I'm sure thousands of people around the world were. And yeah, training starts tomorrow for UTMB 2024. Let's do it. (laughs) If we're both on the start line. Um, Ryan's behind the mic. We're good. Ryan's going to have to host the show. Speaking of Ryan, as we close here, a big thank you to the Rye guy for all your hard work this week behind the scenes, absolutely killing himself for hours and hours a day to edit and get everything uploaded. Ryan, we love you. Big appreciation, buddy. Thank you for all you do. Big love, Ryan. Big thank you also to our sponsors for making our coverage this week possible, Hoka and Camelback. You guys have heard me say this multiple times throughout the week, but you know Hoka obviously born here and is really invested so heavily in the sport, not only with the UTMB and the UTMB World Series, but races like Western States and the Golden Trail Series. It was so cool being at the party with them last night. Jim gave a little speech. Oh, and awesome. you know, you can just tell there's they're good people in that organization and they really do care about the sport. And so we do appreciate them as well. And also hanging out with the Camelback guys this week has been an absolute joy. And they're also deeply invested in the sport, not only for, for now, but into the future. And we're grateful that they would make an investment in in our coverage here this weekend too. So a big thank you to those sponsors. So I think that concludes what has been just such a remarkable week. Holy smokes. Like We did it. Courtney DeWalter does the unthinkable. Jim Walmsley cracks the code after five years. And those are but two of just a billion amazing, inspiring stories. So... Now we have to do our own training, Corinne. Yeah, we're uh, we're becoming athletes again. You you guys hold us accountable. Yes, hold us accountable. Yes, I need accountability, especially. Maybe it's time to get a coach. Anyway, for Corinne Malcolm, I'm Dylan Bowman. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye, team. Bye.